Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today on Be Brave at Work. Michael Pearson is the area chair and professor at Gabelli School of Business at Fordham University, I believe in the great city of New York. He's also the president of the International Humanistic Management Society, and he has specialties in humanistic management, dignity, social entrepreneurship, trust management, corporate governance issues, organizational well-being. And these topics such as dignity, social entrepreneurism, and trust management apply so deeply to bravery at work. And as a reminder to our listeners, Michael is here as a uh, referral from one of our past podcast guests, Donna Hicks. And of course, Donna is the author of Dignity and Leading with Dignity. And we had a great conversation about the relationship between dignity and bravery during our call, and I asked her, uh, you know, how else can I get additional information about dignity at work? And she said, talk to Michael. So, Michael, thank you so much for being on our podcast at Be Brave at Work. And Michael is holding up his book, Love in Organizations, Lessons of Love for Human Dignity, Leadership and Motivation. So I look forward to hearing about that. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me. And tell us a little bit about yourself, yeah. Michael, uh, more than what I shared with our audience and respect to what you've done and what you're currently doing today. Yeah. So I, I am now a professor, a chair professor at Fordham University in the field of humanistic management. And that's a field that I co-created in, yeah, at a time when I was a business consultant and had a couple of startups running that were in the social entrepreneurial space and where I felt Something, something can be better. <laughs> and I can tell you that that was probably, I think, something in myself from when I grew up. I grew up in Germany uh, when we had an Eastern part, communist part, and a Western part, capitalist, quote unquote. And so I always thought like, well, <clears throat> something, something so important <laughs> where people are dividing countries and then fight over the border, etc., that that I need to understand better. So, and what can we do in like when the wall fell and all that, like how can we create a system that works for everyone? 
And so that got me to to study a couple of things that now now sort of serve me in being a professor. But it was just a general curiosity that drove me. And I'm originally from Germany, so, and now I'm based in New York. And so I'm looking to to just create a world that works for everyone by transforming business education specifically, but also like everything, the ecosystem around it, work with business leaders, think about what could work look like uh, currently that satisfies, that allows human dignity to be expressed, and that ultimately serves as the baseline for, for human flourishing for everyone. Fantastic background, Michael. And I'm just wondering, I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about this area that you have invented or created and brought to our world, humanistic management. So what is humanistic management? Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. So when you, if you have studied in a business school and you had management, uh, then you probably know that, yeah, there is sort of the effectiveness and the efficiency question. Effectiveness, are you producing what you say you want to produce and efficient, are you doing it in the most cost, uh, well, the least cost uh, effective way, the least costly way, the most cost effective way, right? So this, the, uh, the answer to the questions of what and the answer to the question how. But there's very rarely a question about why you're doing it to begin with. <clears throat> so the why question, the ethical question potentially, is, is left out. And in humanistic management, we don't deny the eff- importance of effectiveness and efficiency. And we're adding the question of why are we doing this to begin with? And one of the core pillars and answers that we have explored that's currently missing is the protection of dignity, human dignity specifically, but also the dignity of all life that includes the dignity of our planet, which typically escapes a cost-benefit logic because it's there and it's invaluable, it's priceless. And so while we somehow all know this, we don't act like that when we teach and learn decision making cost benefit is the ultimate sort of assessment tool and if something doesn't cost anything then it doesn't feature so it oftentimes gets neglected so human dignity gets neglected the planetary dignity dignity of life gets neglected in a cost benefit analysis and therefore for humanistic management we're saying protection of dignity is the foundation and then the role of management is not just like how much you produce and are you producing it effectively. It's like, are you contributing to human flourishing? Are you contributing to flourishing at a higher scale? So it's a quant- qualitative goal, objective function, so to speak, rather than a quantitative one. And those ideas are not novel and they have been sort of sidelined for a long time. And, and we're, we're dedicated to unearthing them and bringing them together into what we call a universalist world, right? We are in a globalized context, even though now we're trenching back, we're retrenching towards tribes and, and nations and, and pretend as if we can do things that don't impact others. But many of the crises that challenge our survival are indeed at a human scale. So figuring out how can we manage ourselves and others in alignment with our survival and also with not only our survival, with really our thriving. 
Well, when I went to business school, which was a number of years ago, it seemed the focus was on marketing and advertising and technology. Uh, I can't recall, and nor do I believe, there was any program even offered on uh, you know the humanistic side of leadership that you're talking about, or even leadership style. Right? This is such a big piece of who you are as a leader. You know, you've got the what you do. Right? You understand economics. You understand marketing. The bigger piece, which we focus on, is how you do it. You know, how you are as a leader and how people can perceive you. And yet, and I don't know if it's still true today. I would hope it is not. Maybe you can reflect a little bit on your school of business at Fordham. Do you teach people how to be an effective leader, how to build engagement, how to operate ethically, how to operate humanistically as a leader? Yeah, that's definitely the intention increasingly, right? Because not only because it's better or, or good uh, theoretically and uh, ethically, but it's just pragmatically better. It's what's needed and wanted currently in this state of the world specifically where, where everybody feels the aches and pains, right? The lack of dignity, the lack of visibility, the lack of appreciation. We have this great resignation. It's partly a response to having work where people don't feel appreciated. And in that bigger context, that is something that everybody needs to respond to. The highest level CEOs are challenged in their way of being and doing management and leadership. And so are, is everybody else that's coming into this, this workplace, right? And somebody that's better equipped, that can speak that language, that can, that can understand what are the gaps currently, they're, they're more likely to, to perform better also. And, and ultimately, it's a really a question of like, who are you choosing to be at work and in life? And do you want to be just that sort of <clears throat> homo economicus, the person that goes to work and then maybe uh, lives out their true values on the weekend if they have one? Well, this is not an area based on my own observation. And I was in corporate America for 25 years and I've been a leadership coach for 14 years. I worked in human resources. And so it was part of my job to study people and behavior. Uh, the vast majority of people I worked with focused on what they had to do that day, not how they needed to be. And I know upon reflection, it was a huge gap for me. It was a huge gap for the organizations I worked in because their focus as a culture was on what we needed to do and not how you wanted to operate. And so I think most employees today, especially in the United States of America, feel underappreciated or underrespected. In fact, I remember reading statistics about people who don't feel engaged, don't feel appreciated, don't feel respected based on how they are treated in the workplace. And to your point, and it sounds like as part of your kind of model, that has a negative impact on engagement, on productivity, on profit. On profit, ultimately, right? Even if you wanted to maximize shareholder value, you, you got to understand better what's the source of that value. Um, and yeah, most people do not care about shareholders. <laughs> uh, they may be shareholders themselves, right? Uh, and at the same time, what they care about is like, do they live a good life? Can they experience themselves as somebody that actually contributes in a meaningful way and that is appreciated and seen in their full humanity? 
And that that goes missing, right? And even you mentioned the term human resources. We we have this language inherited from from decades or centuries of thinking where we we adopt a machinist mechanic perspective and human beings are just a resource. And who wants to be just a resource or be treated like a resource that's manipulated here, this way, that way, do this, do that, uh, do it effectively, do more of it, work all the time. <laughs> and, 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 and so that's, that's got to have repercussions. And we see them in all the statistics. We've always seen them. It was always clear that the organizations that create excellent results allow people to be different all of their people. And, and that's been ignored for a long, long time uh, because the dominant way of looking at people and training people and the way that you experience it, that's, that's very sticky. It's very simple. And, and we call it professional. And in the end, it's, right. it's painful. Right? It, it's well, really I, malignant. Well, I would tell you that from my own personal experience, and I think this is true for many of the people I work with, as colleagues, as well as clients, that we have adopted the culture, behavior, and structures of our predecessors. So if I wanted a career in human resources or wanted a career in engineering or pharmaceutical engineering, here's how you fit. And this is what you have to do and where you do it and when you do it. And there's very little room for creativity or flexibility. And you know there may be some variations that are interesting. And of course, we're now in a hybrid type world, or at least the start of a hybrid type world where People are flexing a little bit between home life and work life, but yeah, there's not been a lot of space for doing things a little bit more independently than the structure would allow. Yeah, and in some contexts that may work, right? In some contexts, it may be exactly what you want is a replication of what has worked in the past. More likely now than ever is there's a lots of, there are lots of opportunity spaces in which you want to try out things newly, differently including internal operations. It doesn't mean you want to throw everything overboard. And you cannot tap into that creativity if you don't allow people to be themselves fully, to express themselves and ex express the concerns that they might have about what's going on currently so that that is maybe a starting point for how you can uh, re-envision what you do, how you do it, why you do it. I think the big question for many people and that's like, why am I doing this to begin with? I know I want a job. Yes, I know these are the skills and I maybe I enjoy X, Y, Z. And that's maybe not enough. Currently, I think you see, in, given the state of the world, that most people are asking, why are we doing what we're doing when many things are crumbling and falling apart around us? So what are the, the bigger questions, the bigger existential answers to those questions and i think that many organizations that have succeeded in the past didn't need these answers because they were provided by a different different group of people maybe the religion maybe the family maybe the community structure and that is all sort of falling apart or in some way challenged and well yeah well, in your development of humanistic management, Michael, I'm curious about where, if at all, bravery might fall, right? So bravery is something that I believe everybody or almost everybody experiences at some point in their career, and they either avoid doing something that they should have done or avoid saying something that they, upon reflection, believe that they should have said. And I'm just wondering, as you're thinking about humanistic management, what some of your thoughts or observations or experiences might be as it pertains to bravery. Yeah. 
So I think that bravery uh, can deeply connect with this notion of dignity. Like, who are we inherently as human beings? And are we affirming that? Oftentimes, if we do affirm it, it's seen as brave. If we are disavowing it, then it's oftentimes seen as something that's like caving <laughs> and selling out. And I think those are the times when we, when we go back and we have trouble sleeping or we keep thinking about those things that that sort of like what should i have said because there's some cognitive dissonance or an experiential dissonance of who we want to be and who we actually were in certain situations so i can tell you reflecting on 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 those questions that when i started my consulting career I was still, I think, uh, finishing a master's thesis or, or it may have just finished, but we, we had to pitch a project and we had a couple of competitors that we knew of. And at some point we looked at the competitors and I knew that they were, one of them was in my city. So I thought I'll go check them out. And then I met those people and then I sort of presented myself as a student. I wasn't really fully transparent and honest. So try to get some intelligence from them. It was kind of weird. But anyhow, I didn't think much about it. I think about half a year later, I meet the same person in a train. And it was really funny because the, there was no seat left. And I saw him coming and then he had to sit next to me. And then we had we struck <laughs> up this conversation. It was like as if they were telling me, okay. <laughs> that was something where you experientially, experientially were not like living up to who you're meant to be. And where you were taking a little bit of a shortcut or something. And it just didn't feel right. And, and that's where I certainly wasn't aware or stepping into expressing my personal values, taking some kind of a shortcut because I wasn't, I wasn't honoring my own dignity. I wasn't honoring the dignity of like, okay, I, I don't, this is not how I connect with other people in my normal life, right? This is with something, a persona that I had adopted for operating in the marketplace or being a consultant or maybe pleasing my bosses. So I was like, that doesn't work. That was not brave. <laughs> and did that, was that train conversation uncomfortable? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I just remember that it was like maybe 20 years ago or something, but I remember yeah. how that, how it was sort of appeared like there's this one guy. Okay. I know him from what? Okay. That situation. And then I was hoping that there would be a place where he could sit, we would not cross <laughs> another but, empty seat. Yeah, and no, didn't didn't work. <laughs> well, I appreciate that story, and you know, it just reminds me of two things. One, always be who you are, right? So don't uh, pretend to be something you're not, because you don't want to quote unquote burn your bridges, right? You don't want to do something which, in the moment, felt great, but upon reflection, is you know, I wish I had never said that, or I wish I'd never done it, because. You know, we both changed companies and now this person's my boss. And it's, you know, oh my God, what am I going to do at this point? So it makes it tough to navigate through those things. But that's where hindsight comes in, right? That we look at things through hindsight and say, I wish I had handled it differently or wish I had done it differently. Absolutely. And, and I think that was part of my lack of awareness <laughs> that I would even allow myself to get into this position because before that, I would never consider that. But I had been, quote unquote, trained in the business world that that, yeah, sometimes you got to do that. And that's like you show your commitment of some sort. Well, so I'm backward rationalizing it at the time. I'm thinking like, OK, you know what, that that just didn't work. Right. Mm -hmm.
Well, it's always it's always easy for business people to give other people advice on things that might be difficult for the other person, which they themselves would never do. So, Michael, it has been great chatting with you today about dignity and bravery at work. And if folks want to get in touch with you about this topic or the work that you're doing at Fordham, you know, how can they contact you? Yeah, the easiest is to connect with me through email. I have a web page that's michaelpearson.com, P-I-R-S-O-N. And my email is P-I-R-S-O-N at Fordham.edu, P-I-R-S-O-N at Fordham.edu. Right. And Fordham is F-O-R-D-H-A-M. And which which borough of the great city of New York is Fordham? It is. It lays claims to Manhattan and the Bronx. Okay. All right. So it's a bi-borough uh, college. So, well, Michael, thanks again for joining us today on Be Brave at Work. Thank you so much for having me. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.